Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Roadhouse International and Compass Group International, and welcome to my podcast. Today, it is early in the morning. It's about uh, 6.30 a.m., and I just saw my wife off. So happy for her, for her success. Uh, she just uh, landed a new client, which is Toyota. So she is at uh, Toyota uh, conducting uh, some uh, corporate training over there. So... I'm just, she is just on fire. And uh, so it's early in the morning and I have my cup of coffee. I don't feel like sleeping in. So I kind of thought, you know, now would be a good time. Maybe put another podcast episode together that kind of ties along with my last episode, which was specific to Californians. So again, statistics or analytics on all my social media platforms show that my American base of followers and listeners, vast majority of you come from California. And just like you, or just like me, uh, you're looking for, or you're listening to these podcasts and do some research, is you're looking at the other options other than your usual Southwest or, or maybe going to the East Coast or even going to Latin America. So the last episode I talked about, or to my fellow Californians, of why making a transition or relocating to the Southwest, like Las Vegas, Nevada, Phoenix, or Tucson, Arizona, is just a horrible option. And the reason why I know this is because I've done it. So I've walked a mile in your shoes, or you're going to walk a mile in my shoes, and I just want to give you some ideas and give you some suggestions of how not to make the same mistake. Because whether you're living in Northern California, Central Coast, or even Southern California, you live by the coast, it's very hard to, especially if you live in California most of your life. So I didn't grow up in California. Actually, I grew up, well, when I came to America, when I was in third grade, I grew up in the Southwest. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. So I went to school there. I went to University of Arizona. And I am not knocking on California, nor am I knocking on Arizona or Nevada. But for someone like yourself that is, has this idea of maybe there's just something better, those are the people I'm talking to. So California, I just recently read a, an article and I saw your gas prices. Uh, some places are exceeding $7 a gallon because of this war with uh, Russia and Ukraine. And now it looks like the administration or the U.S. administration is now going to impose more sanctions and not buy any Russian fuel or oil. So that's going to surge prices even more. Another 25 cents, 50 cents, maybe even 75 cents per gallon. But, and again, the implications short term and long term are going to be devastating for people, whether you're rich or poor, it's going to affect everyone. If you're middle class or poor, it's going to affect you. If you're rich and you're a business owner, it's going to affect you because supply chain issues, rising cost of everything from construction materials to simple fuel, um, putting get fuel in your trucks is going to cost more. And then also labor. 
is going to cost more. So everything is rapidly increasing in the United States and more so in places like California and then now Nevada and Arizona, which used to be a safe haven, which used to be a place where people in the West say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm thinking of relocating to the Southwest because it's less expensive. Well, that really isn't the case anymore because of the rising costs. You want to buy a decent home in Las Vegas or Tucson or Phoenix? It's now going to cost you close to half a million dollars. I was talking to a recent friend of mine, and they were showing some homes, some very simple KB homes, two-story, three bedrooms, uh, three bath, or maybe two and a quarter bath, which normally pre-pandemic would have been in the mid to three high threes. Now is starting at a half a million dollars. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And what people don't realize, so if you're not into finance or reading about uh, the world economy or banking, because this stuff is boring, but that's been my life. I'm an ex-banker, wealth and asset manager, and I, and I brought, that, brought those tools and those, and those skills uh, that they taught me and started my own business. So I always have to keep up with macro and micro world trends in economy and finance, and also in the banking industry. But what a lot of people fail to realize when they're looking at real estate investments, like, wow, my home in Las Vegas went up like 25%, 30%, 50%, you know, some places even higher than that in Phoenix and also Tucson. And like I said, Las Vegas, even up north, up in Reno, and Tahoe. But what you fail to understand is the reason why your homes are appreciating is because of the depreciation of the U.S. dollar. And... I'm not going to go into detail. Just please take the time and do your own research and educate yourself. So if you're thinking that, well, I don't want to invest in real estate outside the United States because I'm getting massive appreciation here. But what you're not realizing is, is the dollar is weakening. Pre-pandemic, actually also shortly after the pandemic when it started, uh, the Thai baht was one of the strongest currencies in the world. That's not always a good thing for expats like you and I because we want the dollar to be stronger. We want the pound to be stronger. We want the euro to be stronger so we have more buying power here in Thailand. But the baht is very stable and it's still very strong. So the one thing is, is I want to discuss is this transition. I briefly touched on it in my last episode. I talked about some of the reasons why you want to make this transition, relocate from California to the Southwest. Part of that is maybe because of opportunities. Uh, Obviously, a lot of that has to do with expenses. It's getting more and more expensive to live, uh, putting your kids through school, just overall cost. If you're retiring or you're going to retire, you, you, you know you're now live your money. So you have to move to some place like in the Southwest, like in Nevada or Arizona. But let me take it further and let you know that you could be making a mistake. 
if you've done your calculations and you feel that you're just gonna be squeaking by, so another recent article just came out, which I really feel the numbers are a lot higher. It said a 64 to 65% of Americans are now living paycheck to paycheck. And this is an article that came out just recently. So we are in, uh, what is it? Uh, March the 9th, 2022. I really feel tired than that. I think, I feel that Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and it's much higher, more like in the lines of 75 to 80%. And that's a huge problem if you haven't started saving for your retirement or if you've taken, or you started saving late in your stages in life. So you just don't have enough. So now you're telling yourself, okay, well, if you're in a retirement age, you're going to be retiring. Let's move to Tucson. Let's move to Las Vegas. And at least our, we could kind of consolidate and bring down cumber costs, cumber expenses, and we'll just figure it out from there. Knowing that you're going to outlive your money. Knowing that you might have to go back to work. Well, I could tell you that you don't have to do that if you're looking at moving here to Thailand. And if you're looking at, well, you know what? I've been going to Latin America. I'm used to it. Maybe I'll move down there. Well, if you do your research, you will find that Latin America, places like Mexico, Central America, South America, is just getting worse and worse and worse. Take it for someone that has been doing business there since 2002, professionally. I've been vacationing there since I was a kid living in Tucson. My parents would take my brother and I fishing there four or five times a year. So I, I know Mexico well, I know Latin America well, I know all the resort cities. But working there professionally, if you see what the, you know, from the geopolitics down all the way to your everyday farmer, there are some serious freaking problems from corruption to massive crime uh, to serious drought and the lack of opportunity. The citizens are getting poorer and poorer. You know, Ray Dalio, uh, which I admire, uh, one of the most recognized business individuals in the world, uh, Bridgewater uh, employees, I think like 1,400, 1,500 people. And uh, guys from New York, if you don't know who he is, he, uh, he wrote a wonderful book called Principles. If you don't want to read the book, just go on YouTube and uh, you can find a video. And uh, so he owns an investment company and his business is to understand world markets on a macro and micro level. And what he's been saying is what I've been saying for since I started my podcast. So if you look at my podcast on SoundCloud... I no longer have a paid account because Spotify and Anchor, everything else is free. So why pay for something if I can, if Spotify will host all of my podcasts and hundreds of them for free? But my podcast dated all the way back since my first uh, business trip to Vietnam, which is close to a decade ago. And since then, I've been talking about it. My business associate's been talking about it, about the rise of Asia. 
you know, there's a wonderful book that I read over a decade ago, and it's called The Next Hundred Years. And you might have heard me briefly discuss about this book in some of my prior podcasts. And the next hundred years I read it because it's very interesting. And being Asian myself, so I'm Taiwanese, Japanese, and a little bit of Canadian. I was born in Taipei, Taiwan, uh, but moved to the United States to Tucson, Arizona when I was third grade. When I was young. I don't know how, what age that is, but I was in third grade. <laughs> so English is my second language. And this book basically laid out the plan saying that the rise in wealth and superpower is going to change from the West to Asia. Specifically, the biggest influence is going to be China. Ray Dalio says the same exact thing. Google his name on YouTube or put his name on YouTube. You will see his charts. You will see his explanation. And if you look at most analysts, top hedge fund managers, TA experts, technical analysis, they will tell you the same exact thing. And if people like me, boots on the ground, that are walking around in places in Latin America, like in Mexico and Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Belize, Colombia, wondering what's going on, seeing what's going on with my eyes, and also coming to Asia, walking around, touching and feeling, investing, getting our hands dirty, see that the world is changing and the rise in wealth is here in Asia. So sorry for just kind of veering off. So the point I'm trying to make is if you're thinking about going to Latin America, it's a big mistake. It was great when you were going there for the last one to two to three decades, going fishing, having fun. Maybe you're going there since you were in college and partying up in Cabo. Maybe you want to think about buying a house there. But I can tell you that Latin America is only going to go down. It's only going to get worse and worse. And that's going to affect your lifestyle. Well, you want to come to an emerging country like Thailand where it's getting richer and better. Where the citizens are getting richer. The infrastructure here is first class. Everything is newer because there's more money. There's a reason why our transit systems here in Asia are better than Western countries because these Asian countries were poor. So transit systems being built in Western countries were built decades and decades and decades ago, where our transit systems, like our BTS, our SkyTrain here in Thailand, was only built only just a little over, I don't know, I think like 15 years ago, 17 years ago. That's why everything here is new, because of lots of wealth here. And then in addition to that, there's lots of new wealth coming here. So if you're worried about, well, I can't go to a place like Thailand because I don't speak the language. Well, let me kind of take you back over 10 years ago when I first came to this country. So I mean, actually, let me take you even further to that. So I might have mentioned that I used to be on HGTV's House Hunters International for almost a decade and produced all of our episodes. And uh, we were the first to do uh, the episodes in Fiji. Uh, so my business partner uh, said basically to the producers at uh, Pytown Productions said, what is your dream location? So Pytown Productions was the original creator and producer of House Hunters and House Hunters International. And he's like, what's your dream location? 
They said, Fiji. He's like, we'll get it done. <laughs> so we did four episodes there. So when was in Fiji, I met uh, with this amazing group of developers and his team and one of the brokers there. So he was kind of like their resident on-site broker. He did everything. Wonderful guy from Germany. Uh, just very well-traveled. Uh, just, a, just a beautiful individual. And one, of, and one of his homes that we featured on the show was incredible incredible it's just no words explained i wish they would show some of those older episodes but uh i don't know house hunters like running on like on a year 20 right now so my old episodes aren't even airing anymore but i got to know them very well almost like family uh like i said as fijians are kind of one of the nicest people in the world uh but this broker when we're talking and it and here's fiji i mean people look at fiji that don't live in Fiji as one of the most beautiful places to go. It's exotic. I'm going to go there and visit. But what people don't understand is when you get to Fiji, it's actually really, really boring. There's like nothing to do. Yeah, the beaches are beautiful, but not all beaches are beautiful, which I learned. Uh, but it can get very, very boring. So he told me, he's like, when I take my vacations, I go to Thailand. I'm like, really? No way. You don't go home to Germany? No. He's like, you know, sometimes I go to the States, I have friends there, but I go to Thailand for my vacations. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, it's freaking awesome. It's, well, he didn't use awesome, but he just said it's a fantastic place to go. He's been going there for years. And I'm like, so that was, you know, people all over the world that I've met, you know, expats are one of the best people to talk to. They're just so interesting because they're just so well, well-traveled. And along the way of hopping around, doing business, you know, all over the world, <clears throat> especially in expat destinations, whether it's in Southern Europe or Latin America, excuse me one second, take a sip of my coffee here. Thailand always comes up, especially when I was in Europe. People in the UK, or just Europeans in general, love Thai. They love to come here. Part of that is because prior to the pandemic, uh, round trip tickets from London were as low as like 200 bucks. It's just stupid cheap. Same with Australia. Aussies, love it here. Uh, Pre-pandemic, round trip tickets, 200 bucks. <laughs> so Thailand always came out. So I had the opportunity to come in here. Uh, I was, was co-producing a documentary for a very good friend of mine. Uh, he is an ex-refugee from Laos. And then he uh, went to Thailand as a kid. So we, we basically went back to his refugee camp. And he hasn't been back there since he was a kid. I think he was like five or, seven, five or six years old. So it was very emotional. But that was my first experience. So that was over a decade ago. At that time, I, um, we spent the time up north in the Isan area of Thailand. So that was my first exposure, really. Because we landed in Bangkok, New Year's Eve, kicked off at the Sofitel at a presidential suite with our own pool, butler, the whole nine yards. The very next morning, uh, we made the freaking, God, it's like a horrible, like five or eight hour drive up north. Never do that again. And uh, so we get to, uh, you know, we get to Ubon, 
And I spent a month there. And I really got to know Thailand, and I was just shocked. Well, here I'm in the middle of nowhere. Ubon is not, not exactly a small city. There's like, there's like a two or three universities and tons of small colleges. So it's not a small city. And I was amazed at how many white people there were, how many Westerners there are. And when I would look at them, I would, I, you know, as American, we're just not shy. We're very friendly with everyone. So we spark up conversations like, yeah, I've been living here for 10 years. I've been living here for 20 years, 30 years. And they love it. And I'm like, why aren't these people living in Bangkok? Why do they want to be out here? But over time, we realized why. It's just a little bit more relaxed and chilled. And literally, you still can if you want. You could buy like a freaking three-bedroom house, even a four-bedroom house for like 50 grand or 100 grand. <laughs> Super cheap. But then again, there's nothing, there's not much to do. So when I, when I, after I spent time there, then I came to Bangkok and we kind of parted ways. My friends went to Koh Samui uh, because the trip was very, very, like I said, very emotional for him. And uh, so I got to spend a lot of time on myself in Bangkok. And again, here it is, right after, right after New Year's, uh, you know, in January, still Christmas decorations everywhere. And everything that the perception of the media gives of second world countries like Thailand was always wrong. And they did the same exact thing with Latin America. One of the toughest and most challenging things to do was educating individuals. Most of our buyers were actually from California for Costa Rica. Is educating them and letting them understand that there's nothing to be worried about. It's a safe country. We have running water, we have indoor plumbing. It's like they really think like it's back in the stone ages. And Western perception again is, gives the same impression of Asian countries like Thailand. I just had the expectation, you know, even someone that's Taiwanese and Japanese, that Thailand was just really poor, like super poor. Excuse me, I have a little stuffy nose. You know, one thing about you know, Thailand, you always have the AC cranking. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we have the AC just blowing your face. You know, you just wake up with a stuffy nose and have a little bit of stuffy nose right now. So, I was shocked. Uh, first of all, uh, we stayed at the Marriott apart Executive Apartments. Oh, I stayed there. And uh, I was in Ratchaprasang. Uh, so that is kind of like our Beverly Hills. It's our central shopping district. It's like uh, Times Square. And walking around, I was blown away. First of all, everybody spoke English. So just throw that out the door if you think that you have to learn Thai to be here. You don't. Then the next thing was, I was like, wow, there's a lot of white people here. There are a lot of Westerners. And the people I met, vast majority of them, UK, Southern Europe, Australia. At the time, not a lot of Americans, but they're now they're coming. So I was really shocked. I was like, wow, this place really is a melting pot. So it just wasn't Westerners. There were Chinese and Japanese, Indians, Russians. Uh, Russians really love Thailand. Actually, everyone loves Thailand. Germans love it here too. 
So I was, I was just shocked. I'm like, and these people, they weren't all tourists because I saw some of them and many of them working, driving. So they're obviously expats who were living and working in Bangkok. So I was like, so it sparked my curiosity. So as I spent more of my time, after my trip in Bangkok, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to make the same mistake like I made in Costa Rica. When I came to Costa Rica, I really fell in love with the place. Next trip, I came back and bought something. I said, I'm not going to make that mistake. Because Costa Rica was a huge waste of my time. Latin America, complete waste of over 10 years of my time and my business practices. Should have came to Asia first. So I really took my time. So over many, many trips, I took my time. But still, you know, it really requires a amount of skill and understanding to become a real estate investor here. Everything that I learned and made me successful in making, you know, seven figures, have amassed a huge portfolio of real estate during the real estate boom, I couldn't really apply that here in Thailand. And that's, you know, that's one of the services that we offer our, our very savvy investors and our more affluent clientele because your everyday real estate broker and agent here really has no clue at all of how to work with people like us. No idea. Even the Westerners, no idea. They have no idea. So long story short, fell in love with the place, moved here. Ten years later, uh, you know, Found an amazing woman, married her, freaking love this place. So back to the Southwest. What I'm saying is, is that if you feel that you're too old to start traveling, too old to learn a new language, first of all, you're not too old. Second of all, like I said, you don't need to learn a second language because everybody speaks English here, not just in Bangkok, but every major like beach destination and major city from Chiang Mai all the way down south to Pattaya Jamtien, Hua Hin, uh, Phuket, Samoy, Koh Phi Phi, Koh Tao. Everybody speaks English. They even speak Mandarin. In some places, they also speak Russian. And so they're very multilingual people. They just obviously have to adapt to the tourism. Don't worry about these kind of things. Because I know what you're going to go through. First of all, the Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Tucson, it's going to be fun and exciting at first. Then after a while, you're going to be bored, really, really bored. You know, Tucson is one of the most beautiful places in the Southwest. Las Vegas is just ugly. There's nothing beautiful about uh, the, the desert there. It's ugly. It's disgusting. Um, at least... In Arizona, you have the Sonoran Desert, which is gorgeous and beautiful. And Tucson is actually about 10 degrees cooler than Phoenix and Las Vegas. So that's another thing, too. I could tell you this as a local, as a person who lived in Arizona, in Tucson, and also in Las Vegas. You never get used to the heat. You never get used to it. Because when the summer comes... You're either going to only do stuff in the morning, but during the day, you're not going to go out because it's just freaking blistering hot. And then in the evenings, it'll get over 100 degrees. And then in addition to that is, is that you can only do so much in Tucson. 
Phoenix is just okay. It's just getting overly expensive with the amount of Southern Californians going there, especially in Scottsdale. But Tucson, yes, you can go hiking, which I did frequently. My family and I hiked and did stuff like that. But still, after a while, it just gets boring because you go to do the same thing over and over again. Just to kind of give you an idea here, my last week, my wife and I, uh, our, busy, our, our schedules are clear, so we went to the beach for a couple of days. Ever since I've landed here in Thailand, I've literally done something every single day, which I've never done in the States. Because in the States, you're very just home-ridden. Because everything is an inconvenience to go, and everything is just too expensive, or if it's not too expensive, it's just inconvenient. Well, here, everything's convenient because everything's within walking distance or a short uh, bus ride away or a taxi cab away. It's just very, very close. So even prior before meeting my wife, I always did something. Woke up in the morning, went and worked out at the gym in my building, Maybe went, and then after that, go for a nice swim. Everything's nice. It's always warm here. So after you know, sweating it out of the gym, just go take a dip in a pool. And then after that, I would grab some breakfast. Uh, I just don't eat breakfast. It just, I guess that's, I've been intermittent fasting for a long time. Uh, not purposely knowing it, but I'm just not a breakfast person. And then I would get ready, and then I would have my lunch outside. I would eat literally all my meals out. Never, ever cooked. Only time I cooked was reheating something in the microwave putting something in a toaster oven. But that is it. Because it's so inexpensive. And nothing's inconvenient. You know, coming back, coming back home after the workout and swim, shower, change, and then within a 5 to 10 square miles of walking from where I lived, I had thousands of places to eat, Dine, shopping, coffee shops, dessert, whatever it may be. Nothing was inconvenient. And it was always something exciting and fun to do. Where Costa Rica, after the first... Okay, so just to let you know in Costa Rica, I fell in love with a place, went back the very next trip within, I think it's like a month or two months, and bought, and bought a triplex there. After, and, this was, and, I, and I lived in Newport Beach, so I went back and forth. I attempted to live there full time. After six months, I just got freaking bored. Just couldn't do it. I'm like, Newport Beach is better. That was after six months. And I'm not the only one that feels this way. I have met buyer after buyer that have felt the same way about Latin America. Just after a while, you get so freaking bored. You just come back to the States. Well, here in Thailand, like I said, it's 10 plus years later. I am not bored and I still haven't seen and experienced everything. So now that I have a Thai wife, my life has gotten exponentially better. Not just the fact that she's freaking incredible, it just makes my life better. Just freaking love that woman. She's just, just awesome. But now as a Bangkokian, as someone who grew up and lived here, She's showing me everything as a local that I would never get to see and experience 
as a non-local, as a foreigner. Everything is just so much better. After I finish this podcast, after I have my coffee, I'm going to, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work out. I'm going to grab something to eat. I think I'm gonna go buy this noodle place, uh, Thai boat noodle. I get a large bowl uh, for 45 baht. So that's like about a dollar fifty, and a bottle of water's uh, ten baht, uh, so about thirty-five cents. And then maybe walk around uh, and buy some little, you know, buy some maybe some little snacks for later, and just you know wait for my wife to get home. But there's always something to do. So the new Batman is out, uh, which I really want to see. Uh, has a really high rating and it just looks awesome. So recently, I saw the the prices to go see Batman, like in places like New York. It was like twenty dollars. I'm like, what? I had no idea movies cost this much now. It's like twenty dollars. So some theaters are actually charging three dollars more to go see Batman. So I guess the average ticket was still like seventeen dollars for other new run movies. See Batman, they're going to charge $3 more. So let's just say between $15 to $20 see a new run movie in the States or whatever Western country you're from. Here, on Tuesdays, specific theaters chain, you know, like AMC, it's 100 baht, $3, like on a Tuesday. I have my own schedule. My wife and I can go do whatever we want. As long as we're not seeing a client, as long as I... She's not conducting a training, a training class. We do whatever we want. So most of the times we go see movies on Tuesdays. But even we don't, it's $6. That's it. And refreshments, like I said, are a fraction of what it is in the States. So everything here, there's always something cool to do. Let me just take you to two nights ago. So two nights ago, my wife and I... Uh, wanted to go to this, uh, this Japanese mega supermarket called Don Don Donkey. And it's really big here. It comes from Japan. It's all Japanese food. And also they have pre-prepared really good in-house sushi, donburi, uh, like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just all sorts of different kind of Japanese foods. Oden, so if you know what Oden is, uh, if you don't, Google it, it's really good. So at Don Don Donkey, after seven o'clock, and, and, and this is one thing you know, you know realize about me, is that it doesn't matter how much money I have, after coming out of this 20, 2008 real estate crash, where I basically almost lost everything, like I said, thank God for my offshore real estate portfolio, that was my saving grace, I don't care how much money I have, I'm gonna be smart with it this time. And I talk about this a lot in my Plan Z podcast uh, for my clients that are looking for investment, uh, real estate investment strategies and using our services to create their Plan Z portfolio. Is that that's one of the problems with a lot of multimillionaires is they just get complacent and they lose everything. So I don't care how much money my wife and I have and make, we're always going to make sure 
that even living in a place like Thailand, that we're not overspending. And if there's a bargain, we're going to go find that bargain. Where in the past, I was like, ah, oh, a thousand bucks, who cares? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll, just, I'll buy a new Panerai watch every quarter, which I did. Rolex and Patek Philippe. But I don't do stupid stuff like that anymore because that is stupid. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money because you just never know what is going to happen. Like for the crypto listeners, I'm getting more and more crypto listeners. Listeners, How many of you and some of you, my clients listening to this, thought the blow-off top was going to happen December of last year, 2021, and then Bitcoin was supposed to be at $100 to $150, 100 to $150,000. Then you have your altcoin season for a month or two, and then you sell everything, and then you wait for the next Bitcoin halving in 2024, and you can have the next couple of years off. Well, that didn't happen, did it? And some of you came in late into the game. Some of you came in in 2021. And if you did, your portfolio is underwater right now. It's, you know, you have a 40 to maybe 60, 70% loss right now, depending on what coins and tokens you're invested in. So like I said, you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know what's going on. That's Russia-Ukraine thing. Yeah, it's always been kind of sparked, but you didn't know he, Putin was actually going to do it. And then with China... You know, with the Evergrande uh, real estate debacle that's still going on. Don't know what's going to happen. There's so many, so much uncertainty in the world. That's why I love Thailand. Because with all the uncertainty that's happening now and in the near future and in a far off future, I'm, my wife and I, my family are living in a place that we're always going to have money. We're always going to be afford vacations. We're always going to be afford to do the luxurious stuff because we have money to do it in a place that allows us to do it at a fraction of the price. Where right now you're in the States, you're in Canada, you're somewhere, some Western country listening to this and you're like, crap. My equity portfolio is going sideways. My crypto portfolio is going sideways. The only thing that's going up is my real estate. But then again, I can't sell my home because if I sell my home, I can't really afford to buy anything better. I'm just going to be buying my house again or maybe something even less than that. So you're actually downgrading. So that's, that doesn't make any sense. Or if you're thinking about retiring early, you have to sacrifice. You have to move to some place that's bloody hot like Phoenix, that's not cheap. Or even, even worse, not that saying it's worse, but it is worse when you have to settle to live in some other state because the cost of living is lower. And you don't want to be there. But you have to be there because that's the only options you have. That's what these podcasts are for. I want to show you another option. And I want to show you the right option because I want you to walk a mile in my shoes and understand my train of thought, understand what I went through and make sure that you're not making the same mistakes that I have. So for you Californians out there, I'm telling you right now, relocating to the Southwest, it's gonna suck. It sucks. 
There's nothing good about it. You're going to miss California. Even if you didn't live by the coast and you live somewhere inland, you're actually going to miss it. You're going to miss the weather. You're going to miss the vibe of California. And Thailand, especially in Bangkok, has that vibe. Our beat cities aren't these little podunk cities like in Latin America. They're big and they have a vibe. But if you don't want big beat cities, we also have those too. We have those small, quaint little beat cities. But the nice thing is, is that everything is affordable. And if you don't like it, no worries. If you listen to my podcast, or better yet, if you use our service, we found you a piece of real estate in a great location that's sellable. We just, we just sell it for you, and you go move somewhere else. Where the problem is, is in the States, is if you don't like Las Vegas, okay, then you move to Phoenix. Then you realize Phoenix is not really any better, not any cheaper. Then you're like, okay, maybe I'll move down south to Tucson. Maybe it's a little cheaper. Okay, move to Tucson. Not any better, not really much cheaper. Then you go to the Midwest, and you're like, oh, God, now it's freaking extremely humid and... Yeah, it's cheaper, but I don't want to be here. And actually, it's not getting cheaper because inflation, everything's getting more expensive. So every place you go is going to be expensive. Housing is the biggest cost, and that's going to be very expensive. We're here in Thailand. You don't have to worry about that. Everything's so much cheaper. And you have more room to spread your wings where you and your wife, you and your husband can make these kind of changes at a whim. And you don't have to worry. I want to tell you another story too. So my wife has a friend and her grandfather had to go to hospital. He is in his late 70s or early 80s. Well, late 70s, or early 80s. So he had to go to hospital. He, had a, he was running a temperature. Uh, they did an in-home COVID test. He doesn't have COVID. Uh, they called the doctor. And, uh, and the doctor, can you actually believe it? The doctor actually picked up and talked to them. Where that doesn't really happen in the States. You always talk to the receptionist. You never, hardly ever get to talk to a doctor. You actually have to make an appointment to talk to a doctor. So they're able to talk to a doctor. And a doctor said, come to the hospital right away. So they took him to a high-so hospital. So high-so, if you're not familiar with the term, high-so is high society. And it's a term that we use for affluence. So high-so people, affluent people, high-so hospital, an expensive private hospital. So they took him to a high-so hospital. It's a private and very, uh, very well-known hospital. And they checked him in, and a doctor said, uh, because we actually went and visited him, So the hospital said that he should be under observation for three days. So I'm just sitting there in in a waiting room. My wife is with her friends. And and, and then, you know, so I'm just sitting there just reading on my my phone. And then she she told me, she's like, yeah, well, they're going to admit grandfather, her grandfather to the hospital. He's going to be there for, he's going to be here for three days. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, I'm just kind of curious, how much does that cost? She's like, how much would this cost in the States? I said, okay, 
three days, private room, right? She's like, yep, private room. In a hospital that is like the equivalent of, let's just say, like a, uh, I don't know, whatever expensive hospital there is in your, in, in your neighborhood. I would say in U.S. dollars, anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000 a night. She's like, what? She's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, how much is it going to cost? She's like, let's go to the room first because we're going to go see him. Say goodnight to him. I said, okay. So we went to the room. Uh, it was like a hotel room. Uh, so like about three, 200, maybe about 200 square feet, 150 square feet, just the size of a hotel room. Uh, private bathroom, shower, refrigerator, TV. So private room. And I said, and then we're talking again. I said, uh, yeah, easily. I, th I said, I think this would actually cost $10,000 a night in the U.S. hospital at least. And she said, here, it's only, she's like the full three days with medication because it hooked up to IV. She says it's going to cost $1,000. I'm like, what? $1,000. Three nights in a, in a private hospital, private room, consultation, the whole enchilada, $1,000. So it doesn't matter what demographic is listening to this. You can be a young millennial, Gen Zer. Maybe you hurt yourself and you have to be admitted to a hospital or your uh, golden age baby boomer, if you have to go to a hospital and you just walk in, which they'll see you, you can afford it. You can afford great health care at a fraction of the price. Well, you can't even get that with good insurance where you live. That's what makes this country better. So just... Get out of the notions of stereotypes, of labels, of first world country, second world developing nation, third world nation. Well, if we were to stick on those labels, Western countries like America actually look like a second world country where developing nations like Thailand and Taiwan look like first world nations. The reason why I say this is everyone has good education and had access to good education and inexpensive education. Everyone has access to great health care and inexpensive health care. Everyone has access to housing and inexpensive housing. Everyone has access to good food. What that means is you're not living on ramen and macaroni and cheese and bologna sandwiches or peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You have access to great ready-to-made order food. So please don't make that misconception of a second world nation. Your life is exponentially better here in so many ways that I have not even scratched the surface because you really have to experience it yourself. You know, I just recently turned on all my social media. Uh, I ignored it for the last six months. I just needed a break from it. I mean, I'm sure you can perfectly understand that. There's just too much negativity. 
You know, I just got sick and tired of just all the politic talk. We're here. Oh, God, it's just so nice, refreshing. I don't have to hear that kind of crap. And so I started posting content again because I've been producing content and making content for the last three months, just not posting and editing and everything. But now I'm doing that uh, because um, I'm ready to get back to work. You know, I took some time off. And the thing is, is that social media, one of the great things about social media is being able to connect to people that you don't know, and people, especially people you know haven't talked to in a long time. So since I turned on and basically started posting again, I started connecting with friends I haven't talked to in a long time. And all of them that have contacted me says, I really need to get to Thailand because... And so many of them says, I just, we just have to talk because it's just too much to discuss. Because there's too many things in their lives that's going sideways in a negative way. Some, their business is going sideways. Some have been laid off. Some, their pay is getting reduced. Uh, some are going from when they had salary and commission are going to full commission. Some have to downsize their home. Some have to forcefully relocate. Uh, some of them have to take their kids out of private school, put them in public school because they can't afford it. Some of them had to sell one of their cars because car prices are high now. So uh, they can just use one car. And that's just my middle and upper class, upper middle class friends. And then the ones that are rich are telling me, dude, I just need to get out of here because this place sucks. It's just too much anger, too much hatred. I just... I just need to do what you do and maybe shut off my social media and move to Thailand. I said, yeah, you should. So what I'm saying with that is, is that you heal here. You feel better about yourself. Uh, everybody that, not everybody, many, many healthcare professionals on the psychology front have been writing and expressing their concerns of more or the rise in mental health issues in the United States. People are lonelier than ever. People have more thoughts of suicide than ever before. More and more people are, are turning to substance abuse more than before. And more and more violence here I don't think of those kind of things I'm not exposed to those kind of things I'm not going to walk on the street everyone knows I'm American because you know even though I look Asian some people some people may not realize this uh, that aren't Asian, they say, oh, well, you just look like every old Thai. I'm like, no. If I walk in the streets, people know that I'm American, the way I dress, the way I carry myself. Because Americans, we carry ourselves a different way. I look Asian, but people know that I'm American. I don't have anyone coming up and lamb-blasting me with politics or telling me who I voted for or this crap and that crap. Seen an, another fellow expat, we don't talk about politics. We talk about 
oh, so what place did you go and eat? Oh, do you try this place? Oh, have you visited this place? We talk about travel, experiences. It's just refreshing. And you, and you know what's another thing that I'm not doing when I'm here? Like I said, I live here full time and I'm only visiting the States now just on holidays. But soon, um, once my family completely gets out of there, which will be very soon, I won't be going back at all. Uh, in the States, because of my boredom, I find myself buying more crap online, like on Amazon. Just mindless shopping. Like how many, two or ten of everything do I have? It's like you just kind of shop because you're bored. I don't do that here. I don't do any sort of online shopping. I don't. In fact, I've deleted my Amazon app because I have no use for it. I don't. A lot of the bad habits that I have in the states, I don't have here. And that's why a place like this is going to help you create a better life. Not just the fact that you're not going to outlive your money. Like I said, you have better health care, better food, multiple housing. Everything's going to be great, financially secure. But on the inside, your mental health is going to be better. You're going to be happier. Maybe some of you are so angry right now that you've kind of lost your compassion for others. But that all comes back when you're here because people here are just so sweet and so nice. So I know this is a long podcast. I wasn't expecting this to be a long podcast. Uh, so I'm actually ready to go work out now. But I just wanted to share some of the things, my own personal experiences. Again, I'm not some hypocrite that just starts preaching stuff that hasn't done anything. I want you to learn from my mistakes. I want you to experience because you're going to go through the same exact steps that I did. And I don't want you to wake up one day when it's just too late. Because a better life is not that far away. A better life, literally, you can make that happen in two to three months. Because right now the housing market is booming. You put your home for sale, your investment properties for sale if you have those. <clears throat> those are probably sell within 30 days or you do shorter escrow. Stay, yeah, 30 days. Then you probably accrued a lot of crap like most people have. You become hoarders. Amazon is a, is a huge... Uh, uh, should I say, uh, <laughs> reasoning behind your hoarding. So what that means is, is that, or you're telling yourself, oh my God, I can't really, I can't really do this because I have too much stuff to sell. No, this is what I did. When I sold my homes, I loaded it up, Two giant trucks, put everything in it, also stuff in my storage, and I dropped everything off to all the charities from Salvation Army to uh, 
whatever they would take, I donated everything. All super expensive furniture, offers furniture, everything. I didn't bother putting it on eBay. I just know it's going to a good cause. And just one day, dump it. Or actually took a couple days. They just took everything. Pool tables, little vending machines. You know, it took it. That's what you should do. Just donate to a good cause. Donate to goodwill. Give it all away. It's just stuff. And when you do that, you just have this huge, especially especially if you have any storage facilities, you just have this huge weight lifted from your shoulder. So after you're done with that, you really have nothing left. So technically, you can really move within 60 to 90 days, like I said. Then you find a one-way ticket, come here. The reason I say 90 days is, is that after you've done all your real estate stuff, that's going to take you, let's say, 30 to 45 days, you're going to want some more time to research and contact, if not my company, but someone like myself for housing to help you kind of plant your feet here and educate you. And then you just rent for a little bit if you're not ready. But now you got nothing. All your crap that you accrued in the years is gone. Your kids are in, are in college or maybe your kids are still in school. They're going to hate it. But once they come here and you, they have American schools here, they're going to love it too. There isn't anyone that I've ever met that's come to Thailand and said, I am never going back to that country. I hate that country. In fact, anyone that I've met that has ever come to Thailand says that more than I've ever heard anyone say than Costa Rica says, I want to go back and I want to live there. I want to move there. Because of just the many things I covered today. From everyday living expenses to adventure to just filling your life with stuff to do. So I want to thank you so much for joining me this morning. Hope you found this podcast to be helpful. And if you need our services, uh, the links are on here, but head over to LinkedIn, just type Will Roadhouse, and you'll find all my contact information. Thank you so much for joining me, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.